Irish Nation, we finally get to talk about football again. Marcus Freeman and the Irish bring an 11-1 record to Arizona to take on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. And for the first time since 1993, Notre Dame is actually favored in a major bowl game. Huge opportunity for Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. But before we get into our game preview, Mike, first we need to get something off our chest. As many of our listeners know, I'm a diehard Packers fan. You're a diehard Browns fan. They played on Christmas Day this year. And my quarterback threw three touchdowns and looked like an MVP. Your quarterback threw for four interceptions and looked like the reincarnation of Jake Cutler. But on the fourth interception, there was some controversy. Some, not all, some have claimed that there was pass interference on the play. I'm not going to comment on the play. I'm going to give you an open-ended, no-rebuttal chance to share your thoughts on the play and the game. But I want you to know, first and foremost, Mike, our friendship runs deep. It's cemented in Notre Dame football no matter what happens in the NFL. Of course, agree. Friendship runs deep no matter what. Uh, as for my thoughts on the game, certainly the four interceptions killed us. Baker just unfortunately has not looked great this year. He's been a bit banged up, but I think even when you consider that, he still has not looked like that uh, that top-tier QB that you'd want to be your franchise QB. So frankly, I don't really know what we do moving forward with him. I don't know if I'm quite ready to give up, but I, I certainly wouldn't blame uh, the team's management, if they decided that that was the right course of action. As for the uh, a little bit more on the game, uh, I was surprised the Browns actually managed to kind of pull uh, close enough at the end of the game to have a shot to win. Um, that last play at the end, we talked about it a little bit. I, my initial reaction, I'm just going to keep this simple. When I watched it live, when I watched full speed, my initial reaction is like, oh, wow, there's, there's a pretty good amount of contact on that. Uh, that looks like pass interference. Now, Brett, you explained a couple of things that the uh, the defender did in that situation that maybe made a, l- a little bit uh, less clear in terms of PI. And I, I think you had some good points there. However, I will say like full speed, I'm like, all right, looks like that's a lot of contact. And I will also say uh, that it seems like a lot of people in the media uh, agree with me. And I will also say that uh, when we kind of put it out there uh, in, in the Twitterverse, um, the reaction from uh, the people in that space tended to be a little bit more in my favor. So yeah, our, we'll leave our it at that. Our Twitter fans definitely sided with 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 you, Mike. Yeah, so I, I we'll just leave it at that. I don't think I need to say anything else. I think our, our <laughs> I think our uh, the, the people that we communicate with on Twitter kind of made their opinions known. Um, but either way, NFL. I love the NFL. Love college football. Um, yeah, it's great that the Browns are at least like relevant enough to even be in games like this. I mean, this is a far cry from our uh, you know zero and sixteen season, which with the Sean Kaiser that was a nightmare. At least we're you know uh, at least we're at least like being able to like hang in some of these games. I guess that's the positive spin I can put on it. For sure. Turning to a feel good story for our podcast on, on Christmas, I was talking to my 10 year old niece who is in the fifth grade. And as part of being a fifth grader, she helps with safety patrol where she helps children get in and out of their cars um, as, as parents pick up and, and drop off at school. And she was helping, you know, some little first, second grader out of their car. And she heard on the radio a voice, and she's like, I really recognize that voice. And she goes, oh, my gosh, this dad of this first grader is listening to my uncle's podcast. That's Brett. So (laughs) if you are one of our fans and your child goes to St. Patrick's Elementary School uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, know that we've got a secret follower uh, who is, is tracking you around, and we know you're out there, and that's awesome, and... Reach out to us on Twitter. Reach out to us however you can. I'm in the Charlotte area all the time. Would 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 love to reach out and, and connect. But in the very least, uh, Gyrish and, and keep listening. 
Yeah, it's great to hear. Um, we're a family friendly podcast. We cater to all ages, all demos. Um, we're a four quadrant podcast. Maybe that's overstating it a little bit, but, um, yeah, just love hearing little, little anecdotes like that. All right. Now, all that being said, let's, uh, let's get into this. Let's dive into the Fiesta Bowl. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. Oklahoma State. Notre Dame's opponent in the upcoming Fiesta Bowl, the Big 12 runner-up by a yard, losing to Baylor at the last second. They bring an 11-2 and record into this game, led by head coach Mike Gundy. Any initial reactions to this matchup before we dive into some analytics? Uh, yes. So my initial reaction is I'm just excited that this is one of the few programs that Notre Dame has never played before. Um, it's always exciting to get a truly novel matchup in the historical sense and knock, an, knock off another one of those teams that we haven't played. I think another one is Auburn. So anytime you get an opportunity, it, it's pretty, uh, remarkable that there are still teams that Notre Dame hasn't, hasn't played, uh, especially power five teams. So, um, anytime this pops up, I think, um, yeah, it's just kind of great to, to finally face a team, um, that somehow we've never played before that. And beyond that, I think, this is a big opportunity to finally just knock off that irritating Notre Dame New Year's Six Bowl game stat that we always hear about how we haven't won since, you know, whenever. Um, and uh, as we talked about this before, this is really our best chance in, in decades to to eliminate that stat. Um, another thing is it's a great litmus test for the growth of our offense. We will touch on this in more detail, but um, we can see if the growth that the offense made at the end of the season, um, we can see if it was real or if it was uh, against weak defense. Oklahoma State has a great defense, which we'll talk about more. Um, so this will be a great uh, measuring stick uh, in that sense. I had two high-level takeaways in my mind as we, we were preparing for the Oklahoma State game. One is Mike Gundy. I, I don't think he gets enough credit as a coach. He's famous for his uh, I'm a man rant, which was the transition for, for this segment, um, which was really taken out of context. It was, it was really a scene where he was defending his players to a group of press reporters. He's in his 16th season at at Oklahoma State, which is being at any program for 16 years is, is a testament. He started off as a 39-year-old head coach when he was promoted uh, from offensive coordinator when Les Miles took the LSU job. So there's some similarities to Marcus Freeman's path. Um, he's been very consistent. He's made it to a bowl game every year since his first season. He's struggled in big bowl games. He's he's one in three in New Year's Six Bowls, but he did beat Andrew Luck, Stanford squad. Um, in the 2011 Fiesta Bowl. So he's, he's been around for a long time and, and really a, a program that, um, he's, he's got to a really good place. However, my other takeaway, no advanced analytics here. We'll, we'll dive into some numbers, but I think this team's a little bit smoke and mirrors. Uh, you know, they, they were oh so close to a playoff spot. Everyone knows about the fourth and goal from the one where they barely lost to Baylor at the last second in dramatic fashion. Um, but this team lost to Iowa State, and they also barely beat FCS Missouri State. They trailed late against Tulsa. They trailed by two touchdowns in the fourth quarter against Boise State. They survived a three-interception game against Baylor in their first matchup that they probably should have lost, and they trailed by two scores against Texas in the second half. So this is a team that could easily be 8-4, and four, maybe even 7-5, and 6-6. Six and six. They've They've won a lot of close games where they weren't really dominant, and I think they're a little bit overrated coming into this game. Yeah, I agree. Brett, you, you listed some of the uh, kind of the close calls that they had. I think in my mind, it, they're always in teams like this um, each season. 
Um, they're good. I think Oklahoma State is certainly a good team. But um, if you look at the advanced stats, it would suggest that they're not as quite as good as the record shows. Um, and if, like you said, a few things had swung the other way, you could be looking at a, a very different perception of this team. In many ways, it's kind of like the opposite of uh, our 2016 season in some ways. Um, I think our the advanced analytics actually had us kind of in a similar spot to what the advanced analytics have Oklahoma State pegged this year. However, for us, we, uh, you know, weren't quite so fortunate and we had a bunch of losses. Um, no, obviously, uh, having the killer instinct to win games is a, is an important component, which, which, which they've demonstrated. Um, so you gotta give them some credit for that. Um, that kind of leads me into, uh, into my next point right here. And that's, like I said, these guys are, these guys are battle tested. So if the Irish are up early, don't count out the Cowboys. Um, they, like I said, they are overrated and we don't say that about a lot of teams. Um, but they have shown some ability to kind of hang in there and, 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 and not give up. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, again, don't be surprised if this is, uh, if this game ends up being a bit more of a nail biter than, than, uh, some people might be thinking. Moving into some of the advanced metrics, the SP plus has this as the 15th most efficient team in the country compared to Notre Dame as the seventh most efficient team. And what concerns me in that is that not only are they the 15th most efficient teams, they're top 15 team overall, they're led by a, uh, very, very stout defense. They're the fifth most efficient defense in the country, better than Cincinnati, better than Alabama, better than Michigan. So this is a really, really top-notch defense. And that looks and feels a lot like other teams we've played, Cincinnati, Wisconsin, Toledo, Purdue. All those teams are top 20 defenses with bad offenses. And in this case, Oklahoma State has the 62nd most efficient offense. So a very below average power five offense paired with a top five national defense. And that looks like I said, since he Wisconsin, Toledo, Purdue, and we struggled in all those games. We went three and one in those games, but really, you know, across the board struggled and, and needed to pull away late in the fourth quarter to, to win three of those four games. And so on paper, that makes me nervous about this game. But like I said, I think there's a lot of other storylines here and how this team has played throughout the season that makes me a little less nervous about Oklahoma State, mostly because of the struggles they've had on the offensive side of the football. Agree. Definitely agree. I think from that perspective, it's a tough matchup if you're focusing on their defense, which has looked stout at times. Um, and as we kind of alluded to earlier, um, Notre Dame's offense has seemingly uh, undergone a transformation late in the season. But we did play a lot of easier teams, so there's some questions as to how real that is. Um, so I think, again, maybe we'll get some answers from this game. Um, you know, we'll see if like those, those tweaks that Tommy made to the scheme, like, are those going to be more effective that game or does he need to approach this game a little bit differently? Um, with all that being said, uh, Brett, what are, what are the biggest concerns and opportunities, uh, from your perspective? I'll start with concerns and I've really got two and, and they're both for our offense. The first concern is staying on schedule. We, we talk about success rate a lot on this show. Success rate means getting 50% of the yards to go on first down. 70% of the yards to go on second down or 100% of the yards to go on third down or basically getting a first down on third down. Oklahoma State's defense allows the seventh lowest success rate in the country, just 35%. So only in about one third of plays are opposing offenses able to stay on schedule against Oklahoma State. That will be critical for Tom Reese and the offense in this game to stay on schedule, get five, six yards on first down. On second down, get into manageable third down situations. On, on third down, convert. That will be very critical the other area where Oklahoma State really shines, even more so than Wisconsin, 
and Cincinnati, where uh, maybe Cincinnati and Wisconsin, we're both top 25 in this metric, but Oklahoma State is really good, is in havoc created. They generate havoc on 24% of plays. That's fourth best in the country. Again, a havoc play for defense is a tackle for loss, a deflected pass, a turnover, a sack, really where, where they generate a disruptive play. Oklahoma State's defense is doing that on one in four plays, and that's led by their front seven. In fact, the havoc rate of just front seven defenders for Oklahoma State is the highest in the country of any defense. Four of their best defenders are linebackers, Malcolm Rodriguez, defensive tackle Jaden Jerrigan, and edge rushers Colin Oliver and Tyler Lacey. Per pro football focus, they all grade 78 or higher. So those are four defenders in their front seven that are effectively all NFL caliber defenders. Uh, one I'd really highlight is Colin Oliver. He's got nine sacks on the year. So up front, this is as tough of a front seven as you're going to face in college football. And Notre Dame's offensive line is really going to need to step up and prevent havoc plays. They're going to need to control the line of scrimmage, give Jack Cohn time um, to get the ball out. And look, they're, they're going to be tested in this one. The offensive line has improved. They've gelled since September. But this is going to be the, the toughest matchup, arguably, they've had all year. Definitely. As I said before, I think this is a measuring stick game for the offensive line. If they show well, if they if they have a good performance, if they don't get flustered with uh, Oklahoma State's ability to generate havoc, I think that's a good sign for the future, especially if someone like Jarrett Patterson comes back. Um, so that's, that is a matchup I will be watching very closely in this game. Now, moving on to opportunities for the Notre Dame offense. As we mentioned, Oklahoma State's really good at limiting a high success rate, and they're really good at generating a high havoc rate. Uh, however, the one area that they're a little weaker in is that they're susceptible to big plays. Um, in particular, if you look at their tackling, pro football focus grade gives them a tackling grade of just 69. So for context within the whole country, that's just number 57. Um, by comparison, Marcus Freeman's defense is uh, fourth in the country with a tackling grade of 90, a very high elite grade. So uh, basically, Oklahoma State is prone to missing tackles and giving up some chunk plays. Um, unfortunately for Notre Dame, Kyron Williams, who has been our missed tackle machine uh, for the whole season, he has opted out of the bowl game, led the nation in broken tackles in the second half of the season. So Chris Tyree, Logan Diggs, the wide receivers, they're going to need to step up here a bit and they're going to need their one-on-one matchups, break some tackles and, uh, and get loose in the open field. Um, however, other than that, uh, tackling, uh, weakness that we mentioned, Oklahoma State otherwise has a, a very stingy defense. Yeah, and, and just to put another advanced metric on that, we've talked about the explosive rating metric. That's an index um, of of basically how many big plays are allowed that collegefootballdata.com tracks. Oklahoma State is top 10 in pretty much every advanced metric except explosiveness. Now, they're number 28, so still really solid. But if there's one chink in their armor, it, it is allowing big plays to opposing offenses. On the other side of the ball, how does Mike Gundy generate points against Marcus Freeman's defense. For starters, it's quarterback Spencer Sanders. He needs to protect the ball. And then running back Jalen Warren, he needs to be healthy. That That's their two best players on offense. Sanders had a pro football focus grade of 83. Jalen Warren, their running back, had a pro football focus grade of 79. So both in that NFL caliber level. But Sanders, look, he's an elite quarterback. He's very talented, no doubt. However, he has 12 interceptions this season including six in the last two games. And nine of those 12 interceptions came in their three games against Baylor twice and Oklahoma once. 
in addition to six fumbles. So against tough competition, he's really struggled. He's got all the talent in the world, but on the biggest stage, he's really choked up the football. It, it cost them big time in the Big 12 championship game. It almost cost them in Bedlam and, and their first matchup against Baylor. So I think for starters, Spencer Sanders needs to protect the football if Oklahoma State's going to be in this game. And then Jalen Warren. He is a dynamic player. He rushed for 1,100 yards this year, but he missed the Big 12 championship game with an undisclosed injury. They haven't provided an injury update since then. So we'll assume he'll be healthy for this game, but something to watch. If he's not ready to go, this offense is definitely missing a beat. You mentioned Sanders protecting the ball, or uh, I guess a better way of putting it is his issues protecting the ball. So for some higher level stats to put that into context, uh, their team is 78th in offensive success rate and 69th in havoc rate allowed. Uh, both very bad for power five programs, let alone a top 10 team. And a lot of that is influenced by, uh, how well they're, they're protecting the ball, which, which they're not. Um, and diving a little bit more into that is, uh, is their offensive line. And I think for Notre Dame's defense, I think that's the biggest opportunity for them. Uh, Oklahoma State's two guards, they both grade out in the seventies per pro football focus, starter level grades. So the issue likely is not with them, but they've had a rotation at tackle and some injuries. The two likely starters at tackle both grade out in the low sixties, as does their, as does their center. And they're particularly bad in run protection. For context, if you're like in that range in the sixties, that generally means, um, you're more at a uh, replacement level grade. Um, now, in fact, uh, moving to some other stats, our, our favorite offensive line stat that we mention quite frequently here is line yards per rush. How much push, essentially, that the offensive line generates before the running back gets contacted by the defense? They were generating just 2.7 yards per rush. Generally, you want that number around 3.3 or 3.4. Uh, in fact, Notre Dame was actually just around 2.6 for the first six game uh, six games of the season. Uh, but then we, we upped it to 3.4 for the last six games, uh, which was a big part for our own offensive uh, line improvement. Well, like I said, 2.7 for Oklahoma State. Uh, for context within the college football landscape, that's 119th in the country. Um, obviously, that's very bad. And I think the offensive line is a big reason why the, the Cowboys can't stay on schedule. Frankly, it just shows how special uh, the running back Jalen Warren is just to be able to get 1,100 yards and average almost five yards per carry with basically no push from the offensive line and a line that's just continuing, continually allowing havoc to, uh, to, to, to break them off schedule. Um, I think that speaks to how dynamic he is. It's a great point, and I think it sets up Notre Dame for a really favorable matchup for our defense. Jalen Warren gets his yards by making defenders miss tackles, not by a great offensive line opening up holes. And Notre Dame is one of the best tackling teams in the country. Every fan complains about missing tackles. Um, you know, they always come at the worst time. They're always the biggest thing you can remember. But Notre Dame really doesn't miss tackles. Our pro football focus grade as a team for tackles is fourth in the country. Fourth. We're the fourth best tackling team per pro football focus. I think that would surprise a lot of fans. To me, that's the make or break in this game. That's strength on strength and something needs to give. Jalen Warren is a broken tackling machine. Notre Dame's defense is a tackling machine. So the biggest thing I'm watching out of all of the points we've made so far is I'm watching to see if Jalen Warren breaks tackles. If he does, Oklahoma State has a chance. If he doesn't, the Irish defense are going to stifle Oklahoma State. And I just don't see a path for Oklahoma State to otherwise generate a sustained offensive game plan if Jalen Warren can't get going. And I don't see a scenario where Oklahoma State's offensive line gets him going. I think he's going to need to do it himself. 
but I think that's going to be a really tall order for Jalen Warren to go, you know, mano a mano against the entire Notre Dame defense. It might happen, but I think that that that's the critical matchup where where I lean Notre Dame in this one. Agreed. Um, I think when the offensive line has generally struggled to generate push, um, and the defense that you're going up against has been quite effective against run defense all year, and just generally just been an effective defense as a whole. I think that's I think that's going to be pretty tough to get by. Um, now, okay, uh, what else did we miss before getting to our score predictions? Um, a lot of this is uh, information that's been out there and is uh, widely known and not surprising. But Kyle Hamilton has officially opted out. There was some discussion. Uh, whether or not his knee was uh, healthy enough to give it a go. But regardless, he's going to focus on the NFL draft, prepare for the combine. Uh, good for you, Kyle. Go go get that big bag of money and uh, just make all of us proud in the NFL. Also, Kyron Williams is opting out. Um, so that was a little that was a little bit more of a surprise, but I can't say that 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 shocked me. Um, whenever whenever players opt out, I don't think it it, it should be surprising at, at this point. Now they've got. Especially if you're a running back, you've got huge money on the line and there's some risk you take getting injured. Um, I, I always think back to the Fiesta Bowl with, with Jalen Smith, uh, one of the best players we've had at Notre Dame in years, uh, probably a clear top five overall pick in the NFL draft. And then he had that horrific knee injury. Um, uh, he did still have a, he still has had a mildly successful NFL career. He did get one big, one big contract after his rookie deal, but he's not currently on an NFL roster and it seems like the nerve issues from that injury in the Fiesta Bowl were uh, part of the reason holding him back. Um, and it's been referenced in interviews. Um, and just uh, if, if you follow beat writers for, for teams that he's been on, it's commonly cited. So I think anytime a player puts their financial future over a bowl game, really just an exhibition game, this isn't like the playoff. We can't win a championship here. Uh, I totally get it. And, and in fact, I support it. This is life-changing money. Um, even just getting that, uh, even if you just get like a, a first round rookie deal. I completely agree. And any fan or media member that wants to criticize a player for opting out of bowl games, um, I think that's your right as a fan. I personally don't, but I get it. We, we all want to see Kyron Williams and Kyle Hamilton play one more time for Notre Dame. That would clearly be awesome. What I don't understand is when coaches complain about this, and a lot of coaches do. Mike Leach, Mississippi State's head coach, um, famously went off on a rant a couple weeks ago about players opting out of bowl games. And I don't get it because coaches also opt out of these games. Brian Kelly just opted out of the Fiesta Bowl. The Oregon-Oklahoma matchup, Oklahoma Sooners, are playing in the Alamo Bowl. It's a top 15 matchup for a bowl game with Oregon and Oklahoma. And both head coaches have opted out. Mario Cristobal left for Miami. Lincoln Riley left for USC. And now both of those teams are playing without a head coach. So any discussion for me about opting out begins and ends with looking at the coaches first and the players second, because the players need this for a livelihood. The coaches, they've already got good gigs lined up. The players, they need the NFL for, for their livelihood. And I'm, I'm much more sympathetic of that. And speaking of coaches opting out, that's another headline for this game. Oklahoma State's defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles, he accepted the same position at Ohio State, so he will not be coaching in this game. So, um, you know, at the time of recording, no other major personnel news on the Notre Dame coaching staff front. Freeman hasn't announced his future defensive coordinator, um, hasn't also announced anything that he might do with the wide receiver coach or offensive line coach or some of the position coaches that we think might be shuffling around. But importantly, Oklahoma State with their top five defense is going to be with their defensive coordinator for this matchup. Yep. Uh, wide receiver, 
Tay Martin, I think he also deserves a call out here. He was a number 1,902 recruit in his high school class. Number 1,902 recruit. That was not, not a misquote there. And, um, well, we did misquote, mis, misspeak earlier actually, uh, on Martin. So Martin is actually the highest grade per pro football focus on Oklahoma State's, uh, offense. Um, so he's, he's the leading receiver with nearly a thousand yards on the season. Caught 67% of the passes thrown his way. Transfer from Washington State. Uh, just a great story through and through. Um, speaking of recruiting rankings, last note, this is the last note we have before score predictions. Uh, the, uh, 24-7 talent composite. We talk about this uh, for almost all the matchups. Notre Dame has the 12th most talented roster um, for the 24-7, a blue-chip ratio of 53%, and that means 53% of the roster is uh, four and five stars. The general belief, uh, and we've mentioned this before, is that to contend for the playoff is that you need a blue-chip ratio of at least 50, 50%. No one has ever won at all without a blue-chip ratio above that. Uh, Oklahoma State, for context, they rank number 47 in the 24-7 talent composite. Um... That's, uh, that's pretty bad. That's for a power five program and, uh, not even close to where Notre Dame stacks up within this metric. They have just four, six four stars on the roster and a blue chip ratio of just 7%. Um, that's about the same talent level as Northwestern for context. Now, one of those four stars is a stud on this team, Spencer Sanders, as we mentioned. He was the number 171 recruit in his class. So he's legit, but the other five stars or other four stars rather on this roster are all freshmen and sophomores. And none of them really played yet. They haven't really made uh, an impact yet. So, from just a pure talent, uh, who's got the who's got the most uh, high powered horses here? This is a big talent matchup for Notre Dame. Uh, a big matchup that's uh, in our favor, even when the likes of Kyle Hamilton and uh, Kyron Williams aren't in the game. All right, getting into score predictions. Las Vegas has Notre Dame as a one and a half to two and a half point favorite, depending what sports book you're looking at. Per ESPN. Notre Dame has a 52% chance to win this game, so basically a toss-up. And SP Plus is a little more favorable. SP Plus implies that Notre Dame should be about a four-point favorite on a neutral field. However, that, of course, isn't factoring in likely for the opt-outs of Kyle Hamilton and Kyron Williams that have likely moved that line from, call it, four or five points down to one to two points. And we know what this game means. In the bull announcement discussion in our last episode, We talked about how it's been nearly 30 years since Notre Dame has won a major bowl game, how this is the first time we've been favored in a major bowl game since 94, how starting off the Freeman era with a Fiesta Bowl win would be absolutely huge. But we need to hold off on all those big picture discussions until Notre Dame wins this game. So, Mike, what's your score prediction? As we mentioned, I think Oklahoma State is overrated relative to their ranking. They're still clearly a good team. Um, I think their offense is going to really struggle staying on schedule against our defense. Um, and I think they're also going to cough it up a few times when we get some pressure on them. Uh, I, I, you mentioned the tackling matchup. I think our tackling is going to be sound this game. I think they're going to show up. I think um, flipping to the other side of the ball, I, I do expect the Oklahoma State defense to give us some difficulties. I think our offense has improved, I th- but I do think they'll make Cone uncomfortable at times. I think they'll get some pressure on them. I think, you know, we'll see the Cone uh, that we saw at times earlier in the year where he, where he looks a little uncomfortable when pressure is getting on him. Um, and also Kyron's not playing. So we won't have as many of those plays where just Kyron generates something out of, uh, out of nothing. All that being said, I do think our offense is late season improvement, particularly the offensive line. Uh, I do think it was real. And I think that even if they do make us uncomfortable at times, I think we're going to show up, uh, the offense better than the matchups that we had against, say, like Cincinnati and like Wisconsin. Um, I also think the boys are going to be fired up for, uh, for their new coach, coach Marcus Freeman. Um, and now when I kind of digest all that, 
that that leads me to a score prediction here of uh, Notre Dame winning 28-21. Um, so I'm going to pick a, a Fiesta Bowl win for the good guys here. And I think we can finally make the, the ND haters move the goalposts on their Notre Dame New Year's Six stat that they also love to cite. So as I thought about this score prediction, um, I thought a lot about Dan Rubenstein of, of the Solid Verbal podcast. He has a theory for predicting bowl games. And it really starts off with bowl games are exhibition games and there's coaches leaving and there's transfers in and out and there's opt outs for NFL and, and all sorts of other things that, that just kind of make them exhibition games. And in exhibition games, when you don't know who cares the most, when you don't know who's the most focused or the most locked in or, or treating this like another big game, go with the better defense. That, that's his rule of thumb, that defense travels better. And in this case, Oklahoma State's a top five defense and Notre Dame's a top 15 defense. So I somewhat throw that theory out the window because you're talking about two really good defenses. Oklahoma State's a little bit better, but Notre Dame's defense is is certainly nothing to sneeze at. And so while I do think Oklahoma State's defense will give Tommy Reese a lot of trouble, um, I've talked about tackling and I just don't see a path for Oklahoma State's offense to put up big numbers against Notre Dame because of the way we tackle, because of the way we wrap up in the running game. And Oklahoma State's entire offense is predicated on getting their running game going. And I just don't see a path for them to get that going. So the over-under for this game is 45. I think this will be a very low-scoring game. I've got it 24-14. I think we'll be up by two scores for most of the second half. But given Oklahoma State's stingy defense, I don't see a scenario for us pulling away. Just like, by the way, I don't see Oklahoma State pulling away from us, but I think Notre Dame covers. I think this game hits the under, and I think the Marcus Freeman air starts off with a bang. Sounds great. Fiesta Bowl win, getting rid of that annoying New Year's Six Bowl game stat. Uh, that's all I could ask for in the new year. Um, all right, with all that being said, Gyrish beat Cowboys. Gyrish 